This is an ABC podcast. ABC Radio Australia. This is Fresh Off the Field. The sporting spirit of the Pacific. Come the Maori, welcome to Fresh Off the Field, the sporting pulse of the Pacific. I am here in Adelaide, back in Australia after a massive week in Honiara for the Pacific Games. Oh, it was great. We had shows every single day and we had 50 athletes interviewed either on the show or at the stadium. So incredible week. Uh, wonderful to be celebrating the Pacific Games. Now, each week I'm joined by two expert co-hosts from across the Pacific sharing the latest local sports news on the ground and in the islands. My first co-host was the co-host for the official Pacific Games TV broadcast, giving us highlights from the games live from the studio in Honiara every single day. Joining me after a massive Pacific Games is Lisa Osifalo. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Bobby. And uh, yes, after a week, it's good to be back here on the show. <laughs> Great to have you back. And my next co-host commentated multiple sports during the Pacific Games. She's back home and joins me now from Suva. It's Fanau Bully Bully. Bulla Fanau. Bulla Bobby. Bulla Bobby, how are you? Yes, I'm very well. Now, Fanau, as I mentioned, you've commentated multiple sports during the Pacific Games. What was your favourite sport to commentate on and why? Um, I guess it was uh, the football for sure because in the Solomon Islands, you know, it is it is their spot and just to have the crowd out there, uh, especially for the women's football, you know, getting the support behind women's football and we know it's it's growing here in the Pacific and in the Solomon Islands to have them, you know, the fans uh, back up the sport. It was amazing. It was a, it was a special moment for me. And it was the first time that women commentated uh, the sport or any sport for that matter in the country. So it was, it was nice. Yes, I did see that. History was made with female commentators for the men's football, which was fantastic. Uh, of course, a former footballer yourself for Fiji, turned referee for the FIFA World Cup, the Women's World Cup, and now you're a commentator. So good to see you've got all aspects there. Uh, Lisa, now I managed to see you once in Honiara as you had a short, short break in between the live broadcast. What was it like reporting on the highlights to the world every single day of the games? Um, it was it was really good because um, although I wasn't physically at the venues um, or I didn't really get any chance at all to go out and mix with the, do interviews or talk with the athletes and just experience what it's like in those venues, but I was very fortunate to be monitoring um, all the venues um, from where I was, which was in the in the studio, basically all day, every day, for the two weeks. Um, but it was really good. It was the first time um, experience for me, um, just to be able to know um, what's going on at the same time and just giving um, updates. It was good. It was a, it was a really really good experience. It was exciting. It was well, at first the first week. Of course, I was very nervous, but in in overall, um, it was it was a really great experience. Yeah. Oh, well, you're a true professional. I got to watch you from Australia and then when I was in the Solomons as well, you did a tremendous job, so well done there. Uh, during the show, we will take a look at some of the highlights from the 2023 Pacific Games, including Genley Winnie's three gold medals for the Solomons. This is the lift. And just like that, she does it. She's got the gold. That's the treble. Big 95. That's it. Enough to win the clean and jerk. That is three gold medals. Ah, oh, generally Winnie, one of the true legends and icons of the Pacific Games and, of course, a local Solomon Islander there as well. Lisa and Fee will tell you what some of their favourite moments were from Team Solo and Team Fiji. And what are these Nauruans cheering about? Uh, we'll find out why they are cheering. Plus, we've got loads more, so make sure you stick around. ABC Radio Australia. You're listening to Fresh Off The Field. Uniting the Pacific through the universal language of sports. 
Each week, my co-host and I will report on sports from across the Pacific, analysing and detailing all of the best bits in sport. But before we get to that, let's have some fun. Coconut Wireless. Yes, the Coconut Wireless is where we discuss sports gossip in your country. What happened in the athletes' village during the games? Did everyone make it home or did they get stuck in Honiara? It's not fact, it can't be backed up, but these are rumours happening around sport in your country. Uh, Lisa, we'll start with you. Of course, you are based in Honiara. So what have you heard on the Coconut Wireless since the games have concluded? Um, Okay, well, I know that um, before the games, we went on the show and I kind of mentioned that it was going to be raining the whole time. (laughs) You did. And um, it it went the opposite way. And I know Finau and you, Bobby, you were in Honiara and the heat was just on another level. Even um, me coming from the Solomon Islands, but at times it was unbearable. But... um, the the rumor was, I think Finau was in Honiara at that time. It was a last-minute decision. But if um, Finau can remember, they did a sort of a custom ceremony right at the beginning. It was held at the dining hall. Um, I think uh, Finau would, was there. Um, well, the, the rumor was that it, it was supposed to be raining, but it was because of that ceremony that took place right before... Um, the opening ceremony started when all the athletes arrived. Um, it was the landowner's cultural, like um, a custom. Uh, that ceremony was the ceremony that held off the rain for the whole two weeks. And just after the closing ceremony, two hours exactly after, and then it started drizzling. So <sighs> that was the rumor that oh. it was because of that ceremony it held off the rain for that whole entire time. Well, Thank you for that ceremony before the actual open, opening ceremony. It would have made a massive difference being there. Like you said, it was extremely hot, but I guess we'd prefer that rather than the rain that we've had, well, that you've had over there before and after. So I'm sorry you're uh, dealing with some floods at the moment. Hopefully it's not too bad for too long. But thanks for that, Lisa. That's, uh, that's some good piece of news here on the Coconut Wireless. Uh, Fee, what have you heard on the Coconut Wireless? Well, uh, after the Pacific Games, you know, d- given the uh, results, some of them, they have come back and they're preparing for uh, their, uh, the, the international sports in the re- um, events in their respective sport. Uh, so Fiji, you know, they did well at the Pacific Games in the seventh competition and as they were expected to be the favourites. But unfortunately, uh, on the international scene, we have had a bit of a drought in the seventh, uh, in the seventh sports and... Well, the Fiji Sevens coach, Ben Gollings, um, has reportedly, the rumor is he's, he's been reportedly be given an ultimatum to perform and get desirable results at this weekend, South Africa Sevens, or quite possibly face the FRU board. Uh, the last we won was in uh, the Toulouse Sevens uh, back in May 2022. So yes, we did well at the Pacific Games and Sevens, but it's been a drought on the international scene. So it's something that they're working on coming back out of the Pacific Games. And also for the Fiji football women's side that put, uh, played against Papua New Guinea in the final, it was a good match. It was a mixture of um, the senior and some of the age group uh, girls. And uh, going into the qualifying mm-hmm. event next year, the first OFC 2024 competitions calendar, are, it's out. And the first event is the women's uh, Olympic football tournament, which will be held in Samoa from the 7th to the 19th of February, and the rumour is that they are looking to recruit uh, eligible overseas-based players to hopefully strengthen our team and hope for qualification to the Summer Olympics. Ah, what Do you know what the ratio is of international Fijians playing in the national team at the moment? At the moment, in the women's team, we have just one, and uh, we've had a few in the age group, uh, age group, um, age group teams in the under-19, uh, but we we are aware that there are other eligible players out in Canada and the U.S. Uh, who can play for Fiji and, you know, strengthen our bid. So, yes, there's been negotiations to get them on board and, you know, get all those the formalities uh, out of the way so that they can be eligible. But at the moment, we only have Trina Davis. What are your thoughts on getting international players coming in and representing Fiji? Do you think there should be a cap of how many there should be so we're not taking all the spots from the locals? What are your thoughts on it? 
Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think it's it's all different in different countries. Like we're still in the transition mode with the development and stuff. And yes, there, there has been a lot of there's been a massive development uh, within various member associations and federation uh, within Oceania, and they have transitions and have built it up. But to compete, and we've seen that in the recent competition against New Zealand, who is the powerhouse here in Oceania women's football. Uh, but we've seen that development is uh, has really improved to the point where you know. In the uh, recent under-16, where in Tahiti in September, uh, they went to for a one, uh, New Zealand won one nil in extra time, uh, or final play, and that that's a testament to the growth, you know, and the strength that we have. But uh, I think because we're still in that transition mode, if you really want to qualify and if you really want to compete at the highest level, you know, the competition there is a different ball game altogether. You might need to get in some of uh, those players to contribute and. In a way, you know, the local players can also feed off and see, okay, this is the level of competition we need to be at, the speed that's required, the, um, you know, uh, the prof professionalism of the field in terms of the diet and everything else. So, yes, we're having our competitions are growing, but I think currently if you want to qualify, you need to get in those overseas-based players. And it's the same for New Zealand and all the other, other sports as well. You know, they come from the regional competition and they would have a weaker team, but when they qualify for the... For the World Cup and the FIFA tournaments and the international events, uh, they do strengthen their team with overseas-based players who's playing competitively internationally in Europe and the US. Yeah, very interesting. Well, I look forward to seeing how the Fiji football women's team are going to be looking uh, in the near future. Thanks for that gossip, Lisa and Fee. That was... Coconut Wireless. All right, it's time to talk about some of the highlights from your country during the Pacific Games. Uh, Lisa, I'm sure you have lots and lots of highlights, uh, but tell me your top five stories from Team Solo at the Pacific Games. Uh, yeah, there is just so much. I, I know I have more than five, so I'm <laughs> going to like select the top five. I think the, one of the biggest highlights for Team Solomons was, um, and for me personally, was the opening ceremony um, for the Pacific Games. Um, just the opening ceremony on its own, um, Solomon Islands being able to um, show the, the, the culture, the diversity, and just having all the countries um, participating there in their national colors, um, their national attire, and having the team Solomon's come on the 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 turf um, during the parade that was one of the highlights because um, I know some of our athletes have gone through um, so much um, very so much challenges, a lot of difficulties, but it was their moment to shine, and that was one of the highlights for me. Um, also, another one of the big highlights was getting the first three gold medals. For Solomon Islands on the tally, uh, the Solomon Islands national anthem was the first national anthem to be played when Jen Lee Winnie from weightlifting, she secured three gold medals um, on day one of competition. Um, also, with her her story and being able to register the first gold medal um, for Solomon Islands on the tally was being able to do her lift in front of her mum for the very first time in her 14 years of weightlifting. She's traveled the world. She's been to a lot of international competitions, but on that very day was the first time for her mum to see her lift um, after 14 years. So that was a very special moment. That was a really good story. That was also one of the big highlights um, from Team Solomon's. Also, um, one of the highlights was um, a rugby sevens uh, women's team. Um, they performed um, very well. I was very impressed on day one of uh, the Pacific Games. I really never expected um, the Rugby Sevens women's team to actually win any matches. They won their first match, um, and I see that they've grown a lot. They have a lot of potential in the future. So I'm very um, excited for our women's Rugby Sevens team. Um, also, um, beach volleyball, our beach volleyball women's team, they made it to the finals against the mighty Australian team. Um, so that was also a very um, uh, a highlight from Team Solomon's a women's beach volleyball uh, team making it to the finals. It was a very special moment for 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 the beach volleyball women's uh, team. 
And uh, also one of the highlights was the finals, the football men's final. Solomon Islands um, went up against New Caledonia. I kind of predicted that right from the get-go that Solomon Islands will make it to the finals. And I also I knew it was going to be New Caledonia for the men's football finals. And then uh, one of the highlights was just losing that match in a penalty. And that somehow I never got over that up <laughs> until now. But <laughs> I'm still thinking about that match. Um, um, that that match, I went off camera. Um, my producers gave me that time for me to just watch the game. Um, so, yeah, that was um, a highlight. It was, it was we were so close, but then just being able to um, football, how it is, we are a country that we love our football, and that day meant so much to every Solomon Islander, that 90 minutes, um, everybody didn't see their difference. Everybody was one as a nation. Everybody came out, um, women, children, the elderly, they were there to support the team. It was so close and we just, we went to penalty and then it just went the other way. So that was um, one of the uh, highlights, but it was a very special day uh, for Solomon Islands uh, football that time but it was unfortunate and we settled for silver yeah i was there at that game i was actually running in between the football and the women's netball that was the final tonga playing fiji but i saw the penalty shootout and my co-workers and i as well this was it was definitely one of the highlights of the pacific games i think you started with your highlights uh, mentioning the opening ceremony but generally winnie who won three gold medals at the start the first national anthem to be sung and it looked like this was going to be the last game of the Pacific Games and the men's football team. Oh, if they had have clinched that gold, it just would have top and tailed and been the best start and ending for the Solomons. Uh, but still, like you said, it still makes a highlights and it was an incredible game. So thanks very much for those highlights, Lisa. Uh, for now, now I mentioned you were commentating a number of sports, not necessarily Fiji teams, but I mean, you are Fijian. So what were some of the stories that stood out to you from Team Fiji during the Pacific Games? Give us your top three. Oh my God, this is a difficult one. There's so many amazing moments uh, during the game. And yes, you said like, you know, I was commentating for the Solomon Islands. So I was like cheering on both sides and cheering for everybody. It was crazy. Uh, like I mentioned, you know, Pacific Games is always my favorite. But yeah, coming down to the, the top three for me, the first one was uh, for Taniela Rainbongi, who was Team Fiji's flag bearer, coming into the competition as Team Fiji's flag bearer, leading the competition as the best male athlete. That was for me was a highlight. You know, he led by example. He's done it at the, Olim, um, the Oceania Games. He's done it at the Commonwealth. And he wasn't even around to, you know, gather that. He had to fly off to Qatar. He's in Qatar within the um, IWF uh, Grand Prix, uh, hoping for the qualification. But yes, he's done so well in the region and just have him, you know, as a flag bearer and to come off in that first week, snatch up three goals. Uh, yes, he backed gold in the snatch event where he lifted 165 kg, 192 kg in the clean and jerk, which brought him his final weight to 357 and winning that overall category. And, you know, to walk off with the best male athlete and like Lisa mentioned with Jenny, you know, they were both flag bearers and they both finished off as best athlete. That was a highlight. Uh, the other one would be the basketball Fiji 5-on-5 team. Now, the it was really... Um, I would say a David and Goliath match mm. because in, if I have to put it in context, uh, Guam came into the competition as the 2015 gold medalist, 2019 gold medalist, and they were going for their third. They were running for the third. They were the favorites to win. Now, basketball Fiji's five on five. Uh, they they had a wild card coming into the tournament. So, you know, in a nutshell, they wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. But here they come in, you know, they made... Um, uh, made it to the knockout stages. They beat New Caledonia, and then you know final against uh, the, the 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 team that was going for the third gold medal and a team that never was supposed to be at the Pacific Games and tipping them over. That that was a big highlight and the atmosphere at the Friendship Hall was amazing. <laughs> Everyone was just cheering them on. Uh, so yeah, that David and Goliath match was the one the one that has to be put down. And the other one would be 
the hockey team and i say this because they didn't participate at the 2019 there were no hockey events at the 2019 pacific games there weren't enough uh, teams so you know they they've been on the gold medal podium ever since pacific games uh, hosted the the sport itself so in for the men's competition they had it in 1979 and in 2015 and again this year so they've been on the gold medal podium ever since and for the women as well in 2003 2007 2015 like i mentioned there was none in 2019 but they brought it back this year with enough uh, teams and again they finished on the gold medal podium and that shows you know the testament of the resilience they have and because they have just qualified earlier this year to the FIH Hockey Fives World Cup in Oman which was a big one for them uh, you know this this win out of the Pacific Games was a good uh, games booster and uh, those are the my top 3 choices for team Fiji you mentioned one of those highlights of basketball Fiji beating Guam it was just one of those matches or even before the competition had started that everyone had already selected Guam to win and they were going for three they are the dominant team in the Pacific uh, what what was the feeling like if you heard from people back home in in Fiji when Fiji beat them and got the gold medal i know uh, i was arriving into honiara uh, and it was incredible it, it was great to see you love to see the underdog get the win but how did the fijians respond to that when they heard it in fiji oh My goodness the the it was just the biggest news on the day and you know the pages the basketball pages they blew up and everyone was just it was if you go on social media it was just about the basketball team and I I think because when we you know looking at the qualification coming in there were three competitions the Melanesia the Micronesia and the Polynesian Cup and out of the Melanesian Cup they lost to PNG and uh, New Caledonia so they were coming in as a third place and they were waiting you know whether they're going to get a wild card because the top two from each of the three competition got a place and they won one of those and then the seventh place was given to Solomon Islands because they were the hosts so there was just this one spot and because you know luckily enough in the previous competitions they have done well to finish on the podium they were given that wild card so they just got in last minute in a way <laughs> and just to have them like you know to meet New Caledonia who thrashed them and won the Mela Cup in the pool matches that kind of gave hope and so everyone was there trying to cheer them on and i think uh i would call them the humble giants because you know they never go around they just did their thing they did it kept things simple and against guam you can tell in the, even in the first uh half the first two quarters they were trailing they were trailing to come you know for for the the favorites to be ahead in the first two half and the underdogs to come in the last two quarters and tip them over That was huge and the the atmosphere in French Pole was so amazing. I mean the locals they were there. They were cheering on and it was just great. Like it was a it was a really nice moment and uh it was a, it was the biggest story in Fiji around all the media at the time. Now, just over a month ago, Finau, you uh had the chance to interview Hector Smith who's the national hockey coach in Fiji. Have you had a chance to speak to him and get his thoughts on Fiji winning gold in the men's and women's hockey for the Pacific Games? I hadn't had a catch up with him but I have been following uh media the the media coverage that's been happening and they did catch up with him and I think I stand to be corrected but I think this is he this was his um last games uh at the Pacific Games so I think it's an emotional one and it has been an emotional roller coaster for him as well you know he's been like I mentioned at the hem of hockey here in Fiji for many decades his family has you know really taken hockey to the next level and to see them uh qualify for um, the world cup uh, mm. fives and then you know again the pacific games they have ever since the sport has been the pacific games they finish on the gold medal podium every single time yeah you know that's that's huge for men who's looking to retire and pass on the baton to his younger to the younger generation who's ready to take it on yeah well thank you for that uh for now who did you have a chance to catch up with this week at the pacific games oh i i had a chance to catch up with Ryan Pini and uh, he needs no introduction for those who've been to the pacific games is familiar with oceania sports and especially in the swimming uh, sport but for those who are not familiar with uh, who Ryan Penny is he's probably the i can say he's the Ian Thorpe of the pacific in swimming his his record is the one that everyone chases down yes a few was broken few still stand and it goes another four years so yeah i, I had the chance to interview him it was great how have you uh, seen the game so far it's been uh, really exciting i um 
I'm getting used to being on the on the side of the pool and not in the pool. So it's uh, it's really good to see the, the amount of uh, young swimmers coming through and you know the the domination that we'd normally see from New Caledonia. We're seeing a little bit more shared. Um, uh, sharing of the medals, which is really good to see. So there's there's obviously um, you know a big motivation and, and a big focus on developing the the younger swimmers over the last couple of years, and we're seeing that that result now. Yes, you mentioned that we've seen the uh, the medal distribution amongst um, other nations, especially non-traditional uh, swimming countries. It's a really good show of, of the funding that's been available through through World Aquatics and probably locally through their own NOC or National Federation. Um, getting that funding to help that, that performance and help that development through yeah, you know, that club development uh, right through from the young swimmers all the way up to the top where you see uh, the top swimmers having a lot more availability to international competition which is really important too to be able to see this is how it's done, this is what you need to do and that was such a big part of my career is, is having going moving down to Australia in my 20s and, um, and seeing the likes of Ian Thorpe uh, swimming and, and it completely changed my perspective on things. Now, a lot of athletes uh, participate here, grew up watching Ryan Finney, smashed it in, out in the pool. Uh, you know, you have been a, a big name, not only in the swimming competition, but in the Pacific Games and around the Pacific, you know, representing the Pacific out in international competition. You hold the most records in the swimming competition. How does it feel watching these young swimmers chase down your records? Uh, it's good. I, I love seeing it. Um, I, I can still still see my name in a few of those records. So this is this is what it's all about. The records are meant to be broken, and and I think this is the evolution of it too. And to see those records get broken, uh, whether they're mine or, or someone else's, I think it's a it's a really good target for athletes to, to seek and to, to drive for. It's it's uh, you know they they can use that as a goal if they want to. Um, but yeah, ultimately you want to see swimmers swim at their best that they possibly can and in a, in a fantastic pool and environment like this, hopefully it, it excels their, uh, their ability to because you know, we're coming up to the year of the, uh, the Paris Olympics and um, there'll be world championships in Doha as well in February so there's, there's good opportunities for them to better themselves and the more competition, the, the more better competition, the, the better for the athletes. So finally, there are aspiring swimmers around the region. Some national reps will be watching this. Any tips from the great Brian Penny? Any tips? Oh, look, I think um, have a look. Have a look at the racing, but not just not just that. Have a look at the details. Um, have a look at, at what their splits are and see what their stroke rates are. I was watching the 200 metres and it's, it's interesting to see some of the different techniques and the splits. So I'm, I'm looking at the splits even now as, uh, as a retired swimmer. I'm quite interested to see that because for me, that completely changed my life when I started to understand my stroke rates and my splits and how, how that changes when I race. And I would change things as I race. That's, that's the best thing about more competition is you get to experience different things. And that's my, that's my uh, attitude. And, and I hope that um, the athletes can see that and understand what these numbers mean because uh, it's, it's important for your development. Thank you, Benny, for those Thank you. There we have it. Ryan Penny, former PNG swimmer. It was interesting for now to hear that he still looks at the splits even after retirement. You've retired from playing football and also uh, officiating football as well. Is there anything that you still look back on in games that might help you with your commentary? Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, like, like you mentioned, you've, you know, you've gone through the whole period and then like, you reflect and you, you pick up little things. Uh, even like when I'm commentating, you sort of anticipate and you know what, what will happen. Uh, and that helps with commentary. Like, you know, when there's going to be a clash or, it, it, you know, you, you see a penalty even before the whistle goes or you see uh, a positioning of the referee. Okay, they're out of position. They need to get to, you know, the, the left pocket or the right pocket. Uh, so, yes, all that knowledge and experience, uh, it, it helps. And I guess like Ryan Pini, I saw him by the pool, uh, you know, and a lot of the athletes, the younger athletes just coming in. And he's he's such a casual guy. He's so open and you know just giving advice he's been he was around the pool the whole entire week uh just chatting to the swimmers helping them out yeah it's incredible isn't it uh great to hear from all of these athletes both current and also former you are listening to fresh off the field the sporting pulse of the pacific I'm here with my co-host from across the Pacific as well, and we've got a lot coming up in the next half hour, including a chat with AFL Nauru president about a tournament that's happening in Fiji right now. That's all coming up in the next half hour. 
where can you find ABC Sport Daily, the best of ABC Sport and the Grandstand Cricket Podcast? Feels like cricket season at the moment. It is coming at us thick and fast. Yeah. Loving it. Unbelievable. Should we start there? And make sure you catch every ball of ABC Sports Summer of Cricket. He's hit the stats. That'll be out. That's brilliant. Guys in the where can you find it? The ABC Listen app. It's that simple. ABC Radio Australia. This is Fresh Off the Field. The sporting spirit of the Pacific. Welcome back to everyone that has just joined us and, of course, the new ones who have just joined us from the cricket. You are listening to Fresh Off the Field on ABC Radio Australia. I'm Bobby McCumber and I'm joined by my two co-hosts from Honiara. I've got Lisa Osafello and from Suva. I have for now Vully Vully. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the Pacific Games and our, I guess our highlights from each of our team countries. But let's take a look at the stories from the entire games. Lisa, I'll start with you. What would you say is your Pacific Games moment outside of Team Solo? Um, I think my one of the, the first week uh, of competition um, outside of Team Solomon's, the aquatic centre where all the swimming was happening, um, it was it was really special. As, as like just monitoring and seeing from the monitors in the studio, how the locals really appreciated the aquatic center and for seeing um, the swimming um, events for the very first time, knowing what a swimming competition looks like. Um, this is the very first uh, pool, a competition pool that we have. Uh, so, um, and also for me as well, like, we we had we ran a lot of swimming um, events on the world feed, and it was just amazing to see some of these swimmers from these other countries. And there was a swimmer um, from um, New Caledonia, um, Laura Grosjean. She she scooped fourteen gold medals um, from swimming alone. She's incredibly outstanding. She went from the podium to get a medal, and then come down and then jump back in the pool get another gold medal um, in her events. That was just like, wow. <laughs> and um, she was incredible. Um, they dominated swimming New Caledonia. Um, I think they've, they're, they're, a lot of their training programs um, are really top-notch, and it really showed. And the locals loved it. Um, it was good to see not only them supporting Solomon Islands, but the support just went right across to all the other countries, even though we're like swimming is very new. Um, we really didn't get any um, good results from swimming, but I know in the future Solomon Islands will now that we have um, the facilities. But uh, one of the highlights for me was swimming and to see that particular swimmer, um, she was incredible. Um, so, yeah, that was one of my highlights on the first week was with the swimming competition. Like you mentioned there, Lisa, the facility is there now for Solomon Island athletes to use. So hopefully they will make use of that and, and that might help them for the next Pacific Games or other tournaments that they've got coming up as well. I did interview Chloe Amira from Vanuatu and, you know, training. Some of the countries don't have pools that are Olympic size. So I think the, the furthest distance that she was able to train in was a pool that was owned by someone and it was 17 metres. So it was great that a lot of these athletes could come to the Solomon Islands earlier and they did train in that pool for a week leading in. So great to have those facilities. They they looked magnificent. And even the second week when it wasn't being used for competition, a lot of the athletes were jumping in the pool just to cool off after their events as well. So it's still getting used and hopefully it will yeah. still get used uh now that the Pacific Games have finished. Uh, Finau, you were working there in the Pacific Games, just like Lisa. You were there for about a month. Can you give me one of your favourite Pacific moments? And it doesn't have to be with Team Fiji. This is just the entire Pacific Games. Um, my favourite moment will definitely be with Team Solomons because <laughs> <laughs> I was covering them most of the part. Yeah, so it would be uh, like there was a lot of, 
again, it was a difficult one to choose. There was a lot of uh, great moments, you know, just interacting with the people and the fans and the volunteers. Uh, it was amazing. But I would say it came in the second week when I had the chance to witness, uh, you know, Floyd Lugie winning the gold medal, the para-athletes um, or the wheelchair athletes. Uh, Mofet Tolomai, he won silver and just interviewing him uh, and where he talked about the challenges that he faced uh, building up to the Pacific Games, uh, not having proper facilities, not having even the proper equipment. He he got silver medal on the wheelchair race, and where he talks about you know sometimes he didn't have bus fare even just to just to get to the venues and and join the team. And that for me was you know was important. Just knowing the athletes more than who they were on the podium, but you know capturing their stories and highlighting it to the, and I I believe that one went on SIBC because we are also capturing the stories for the Solomon Island athletes and it gained a lot of traction and I think you know that's what we wanted to see is that they are also highlighted the challenges are highlighted and for them to finish on the podium in front of you know I was the commentating athletics at the time and giving uh, updates and I was standing there when he raced through and they knew that he was like you know the last 50 meters and he came to 25 10 meters and they knew he was going to finish on the podium the crowd everyone just cheered whether you were holding a Solomon Islands flag a Fiji flag or Tahitian flag everyone just cheered and all and that was a special moment for me. Ah, incredible. And that's one of the things we love about the Pacific Games and and sport in general. It's not just who finishes on the podium, but it's always those stories behind the athletes as well. So uh, thank you for that, Fee. Uh, One of my highlights, uh, moments for the Pacific Games, was seeing the amount of athletes that were over the age of 50, not only competing, but dominating. Mere Roden is 55 and a para-table tennis champion from Fiji and she won gold in the wheelchair singles final. Uh, Mary also won gold in the team final for Fiji. Multiple gold medals, has been to many Pacific Games. She's 55 and she doesn't look like slowing down. I, I just love seeing and she was one of many athletes that were participating in the Games that were uh, older than 50. I also interviewed a woman from Guam who competed in the triathlon and the aquathon, Mylene Garcia. Now, Lisa and Fee, I know you were feeling it. Uh, Lisa, you did mention it was scorching hot and these triathlons were run on the main roads on that concrete. It would have been a killer for them out there. But Mylene, I mean, I interviewed her, took a photo, uh, 54 years old. It was She looked 35. At 30, she had five grandchildren and she didn't even look like she'd broken a sweat, but she was out there hoping to inspire other young girls to take up uh, running and, and just keeping fit and especially her five grandchildren as well. So, so many inspirational stories from the Games, but that was definitely a highlight for me, just seeing the older athletes leading the way and dominating as well. Uh, Lisa, we're going to take a step aside from the Pacific Games. What else has caught your eye that's coming up in the Pacific uh, when it comes to sport? Yes. Now, I think Solomon Islands from from where we are now and um, being very fortunate to have these um, really, really incredible facilities that we have, I know for sure that we'll be eyeing and hosting a lot of um, events coming up. But um, I think the one that I know from now, which has been confirmed, is women's football. We've got the Women's Champions League, um, which um, happened in Papua New Guinea this year. Um, Solomon Islands will be hosting that event um, in March next year. So that's one of the um, events that we will be looking um, forward to. I think after the Pacific Games, I think sports for us is is slowing down during the Christmas period. But next year, February, that's one of the um, the champions, Women's Champions League. Um, Solomon Islands will be hosting that in March. Wonderful. And Fee, what else has caught your eye? I know both of you have been working so hard on the Pacific Games, it's hard to think of sport outside of it. But has anything caught your eye, Fee? Yes, similar to Lisa, she mentioned that, well, that, you know, after the Pacific Games, um, and now we're in the festive season, everything is toned down. I mean, in terms of competition, but still there are preparation for uh, the next uh, calendar year and, you know, the the get-go from January will happen. But given the seventh competition and the competitiveness that happened, like Lisa said, she was so proud of the Solomon Islands. And we have the HSBC World Rugby Sevens Challenger 2024. That's coming up. And it's great to see that uh, Fiji, 
you know, who are already in the seven series to have other Pacific nations having the chance to also qualify. So the HSB will rugby sevens challenger 2024. Uh, it, it provides a pathway for those who are not in the series to be able to qualify. So the, it's a, it's a competition that has 12 teams, three pools for each team in both the men's and women's. And in the men's uh, competition, we have Papua New Guinea, who will be competing in Pool A and Tonga in Pool B. Now, we know that Papua New Guinea came out of the Pacific Games in the final where they lost to uh, Fiji. I mean, they came third. They lost uh, to uh, Tonga. So Tonga and Papua New Guinea, the, the bronze medalist uh teams, they will be competing for this position. And for Papua New Guinea, for the women's team, they'll also be in this competition. And what happens is, all these 12 teams, they go, they compete. If they finish on the top four, they'll play a promotion relegation series with those who's currently in the HSB 7 series. So, and if out of those eight teams, they still compete and they win, finish on the top four, then they qualify to, to participate in the, in the international rugby 7 series. Currently, we have in the men's uh, 7 series, we only have uh, Fiji and Samoa in the men's competition. And in the women, we have Fiji. So it's great to see other Pacific nations they're doing well in the Pacific Games. They have lifted the standards and hopefully in the near future we'll have our Pacific neighbours joining the Seven Series. Incredible stuff there. As you mentioned, rugby in Fiji, rugby sevens really are leading the way, but it is good to see these other Pacific nations really stepping it up and, and having that benchmark to go to as well with Fiji. Uh, another thing kicked off this week, and it's happening in Suva in Fiji. It's the AFL Oceania Under-16 Cup. Now, there's teams in both the boys and girls that are competing. Uh, this is the first time that they've had girls' teams in the AFL Oceania Cup as well, so that's great to see. Uh, the teams competing are Fiji, PNG, Tonga and Nauru. Uh, they held a lightning carnival prior to the main competition, which has completed. Uh, we'll hear more from those results very soon but I had a look on the Facebook page and I saw uh, one of the AFL greats, Stephen Silvani, he's in Fiji for the competition Silvani played over 300 games for Carlton, Uh, his father also played for Carlton, Sergio Sergio Silvani and his son Jack is now playing for Carlton as well. So we have a rule within the AFL, a father-son rule, where clubs get preferential recruiting access to the sons of players who have made major contributions to a particular club. There's also now the father-daughter rule that applies to the AFLW, so the women's competition as well. And no doubt we'll see the mother-daughter rule in the AFL women's as the competition grows older. So many exciting stories that are happening from the Pacific Games. It's nice to take a look at some of the ones that have stood out to us. Plus, there's still plenty of sport outside of the Games happening. Uh, Thanks, Lisa. And for now... Fresh off the field. The sporting pulse of the Pacific. ABC Radio Australia. As I mentioned, the AFL Under-16 Oceania Cup kicked off in Suva this week with teams competing from Fiji, Tonga, PNG and Nauru. I caught up with the president of AFL Nauru, Wiley Detanamo, who is in Fiji with the teams competing. I started by asking him about the history of AFL in Nauru. Yeah, it started from our forefathers who actually were taken to study in Geelong, in Victoria, Geelong. And um, when they came back after they uh, finished their studies, they introduced the AFL to, to the country. And that's how um, we became crazy, you know, about um, over AFL. Because, I mean, if, if they were sent to uh, Sydney or any other state, we probably would have played rugby. But, they, they uh, yeah, they came from Geelong. It's really stuck, hasn't it, from Geelong? So have there been – who are the superstars from Geelong that Nauruans absolutely love? Oh, well, uh, I can name a few. Like uh, my, my, my father uh, backs for Geelong and uh, he loves Couch, Paul Couch, former Brandler medalist, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Gary Ablett Senior. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the old, old players. <laughs> How involved are the AFL when it comes to football programs that are run in Nauru? Oh uh, yeah, they're they're very much involved now um, with the new programs. That uh, well, I'd like to thank our Australian government for that. They've been uh, we have uh, uh, getting support through the academy um, AFL academy programs, 
so which um, it's catered for our younger generation, like younger junior elite, from 14-year-olds to 16 and then the under-18s. I see the Oceania Cup has included a girls' competition for the first time. Are there many girls playing yes. football in Nauru? Yes, yes. Uh, even though it's just fairly new, we've started football about three years ago. I mean, for the women, and and uh, they're, they're very you know passionate about their football. Wiley, what are the surfaces like to play on in Nauru? I've seen some vision. <laughs> it doesn't look too flush with grass. Yeah, no grass, no grass. Uh, we've been playing playing on gravel as far as I could remember. I mean, I have scars. Uh, a lot of the old players have scars. Some of my uh, academy managers have scars of playing on the ground. <laughs> what is it like when the players get to play on grass in other countries? Oh, yeah, it's it's, it's something new to them and it's something they, they, they were pretty, you know, they were quite surprised how how um, harmful they could actually play on yeah. because of how soft they can, they can get. Yeah, they build them tough in Nauru. <laughs> and let's talk about <laughs> the reason that you're in Fiji, the AFL Under-16 Oceania Cup. How have the Nauru and yes. boys team been going? Uh, the boys are doing well. Um, yesterday we played the Lightning Cup, which is just a quick... It's like a quick uh, round-robin tournament for all the teams, and they managed to win all the, the matches, and they, they actually won the, the, the Lightning Cup. Oh, that's, in- that's incredible. Um, who were some of the standout players yeah. from the boys' team? From the boys, uh, there's uh, a kid named Shakana, Shakana Deguero, there's Red Brunla, there's Lawrence... Uh, Lawrence Akua, uh, and there's some guys at the back as well in the middle. Uh, I'm not. Um, there's so many of them. There's mm. so many of them. <laughs> I can stand out that they're uh, really playing well. Uh, how have the girls' team been going? Girls is doing okay. Yeah, they they, they also won their competition as well. The the one day run robin competition where they uh, they, they yeah they they were undefeated. They managed to win all their matches. So the boys and girls team dominating at the moment, both undefeated. Do you think some of these yes. players will go on to play AFL or AFLW? I hope so. I, I, I really think there's um, so much. I mean, there's so many talents at that age. I mean, especially when they're only like Nora's got the youngest female team. So there's, there's 13, 14 year olds playing with the under 16 girls. So yeah. And they still manage to win. So they hold up pretty good against the bigger bodies and the older young girls? Yeah, they're, they're tough matches. They're very tough matches, yeah. Especially with the big tongs. They're, they're very tough. <laughs> mm, I bet. What would it mean to have a Naruan playing in the AFL or AFLW? Uh, uh, that's, that's my vision. That's my vision, just to get one player out there. Any player, either male or female, that's my target. Well, if the Oceania Under-16 tournament that's happening in Fiji has anything to go by uh, with both the girls and boys dominating, I have no doubt that Nauru will be winning one of those international cups very soon in the future. Wiley, thank you so much for your time today and all the best for the teams in Nauru in Fiji. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. There we have it. That was Wiley Datanamo, president of AFL Nauru, who is currently in Fiji with the boys and girls under-16 teams who are dominating at the moment. All right, before we finish up, it's time to get to know my co-hosts and I just a little bit more. It's time for our next segment. Giaman Stapwe's Tok Pissin for Pick the Lie. Each co-host will tell us three things about themselves. Two will be true, one will be a lie. The other co-hosts have to try and Giaman Stapwe. Lisa, three things, please. Okay. Um, my first one is this uh, recent um, Pacific Games was my second Pacific Games coverage and involvement. It's number one. Number two is I kind of know how to speak French. Number three is my first commentary attempt was, or my first commentary attempt I did 
in Fiji. All right. Okay, so the first one, this is your second Pacific Games coverage or involvement. Second, you can kind of speak French. And your first commentary was in Fiji. Finau, which is the lie? I would say speaking French. (laughs) I know. I think that's... Speaking French, maybe? Yeah. You know what? I've done this the last couple of weeks, but I'm going to go with my co-host and say you kind of speak French. Lisa, what's the lie? Yeah, true. I I don't know, but I'm going to learn how to speak French. (laughs) Oh, well done. For the next next game. (laughs) For the next games, yes. That will be very helpful. Yeah. All right, for now, it's your turn. We got that one. Let's see if you can trick us. Kiyama and Stapwe. You know what? I've been bad at this and I've everyone I've been a bad lie. Everyone have always guessed, so this is my last and I'm really hoping that, you know, I can get you too. <laughs> so here it goes. You know, I've traveled a bit because of football, international football. So this is the three I have. I have attended Rihanna's concert, I have attended J Lee's concert, and I have met Gianni Infantino, the current FIFA president. Okay, so you've attended a Rihanna concert. Who was the other concert, sorry? J Lo. J-Lo, and, and you've met Gianna, Gianni, the president of FIFA. Infantino, uh, the Infantino. current FIFA president. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say you have met Infantino, the, the president. Um, I will say you have been to a Rihanna concert. I'm going to say J-Lo is the lie. Lisa, what do you think the lie is? The lie would be... A J-Lo concert? So we're both saying J-Lo. We don't believe that you have seen J-Lo in concert, but you have seen Rihanna, I reckon. Yes, I finally got it. <laughs> yes, I finally got you too. I finally got you too. <laughs> so I have not I have not met the current president, but I did meet the, the former president, so I got one. Oh, you trick. So you've been to a Rihanna concert and a J-Lo concert? Yeah, at the Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan in uh, 2012, they hosted the women's under-17 um, women's World Cup and they really blew things out and they got all these uh, top performers at the con- uh, to have host concert and they invited all the athletes because, you know, they were teenagers and stuff. So, yeah, I was fortunate. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to afford it. Oh, well, lucky <laughs> you. And well done. You got us both. All right, I'll see if I can get you. Three things that happened to me in Honiara. Number one, I bumped into my uncle at Honiara Airport, who I haven't seen for 30 years. Number two, I was stopped at least a dozen times by people who recognised me from the ABC Radio Australia billboard. And three... Kitty Bus won three gold medals and I had every single one of those gold medals around my neck during a live broadcast in Honiara. Uh, Lisa, what do you think the lie is? Oh, oh my gosh. Everything sounds true. <laughs> I wonder what the lie is. Um, wearing gold medals. Okay, wearing the three Kitty Bus gold medals around my neck, that's what you've locked in. Uh, Fee, what do you think the lie is? Um... I I would go with the first one. So I bumped into Maybe you met your uncle, but the time frame is <laughs> not right. Okay, sure. Uh, I did bump into my uncle at Honiara Airport, and I hadn't seen him for 30 years, so that was incredible, uh, Uncle Tepuka. Uh, I did wear the three gold medals around my neck as well. Uh, I wasn't stopped. No one recognised me from any of the billboards. I was literally standing next to two of the men in the billboard next to me, the Dunesia Daily, Jacob and uh, Michael, and people came up to us and said, oh, you boys, you're from the billboard. And they said, yeah, so's Bobby. And they looked at me and smiled and <laughs> didn't believe it. No one believed that I was on that billboard. Anyway, enough about me. It was a wonderful Pacific Games. I got you both, so that was great. Uh, that does bring us to the end of the show for this week. A big thank you to my co-host, Lisa Osifalo, official broadcasting host of the Pacific Games in the Solomons. Thank you, Lisa. And Thank fi- you very much. And Finau Vuli former Fijian footballer, FIFA referee and now sports commentator. Thank you, Finau. Uh, thank you for listening to Fresh Off the Field, the Sporting Pulse of the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. Next week I'll be joined by two more co-hosts from across the Pacific sharing sports news on the ground and in your country. Next week will also be the final episode of Fresh Off the Field for the year as we take a four-week break. But don't worry, we will be back for 2024. This episode was produced on the lands of the Ghana people.